Hello, and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. Hey, so my name's Chad Stewart. I'm one of the pastors here I'm at Springbrook. And so today we're going to jump into our scripture. It's going to be in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 2 through 11, if you want to follow along. So in verse 2 it says, May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things, and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. God. Let's pray. Uh, God, we thank you. We thank you for this morning and and thankful for this place and these people and uh, for our graduates. Uh, We were praying earlier this morning, and I I continue to ask you the same thing, that uh, we just wouldn't miss you today. We wouldn't miss what you're up to today. We wouldn't miss uh, what you want to do in us today or in this room or through our uh, church and our community and so we just Im- invite you to come. We actually believe that you're here. And so uh, would you wake us up to your presence? In your name we pray. Amen. Um, okay, do you have those things in your life that you do uh, without thinking? Like you just automatically do without thinking that you're doing them. Um, here's some examples. One is, uh, have you seen those commercials where the the guy is leading a group of people around? And I think it's something like new homeowners trying to not become their parents. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I don't even know what they're advertising. I actually don't know that it's an effective advertisement, but um, but they're hilarious. Like uh, the, one, the one where they're, I think they're like at Home Depot or something like that. And, um, and someone walks by and he's like, we all see it. We all see it. We all see it. Then one of them has to go, she has blue hair. You know, like real loud. Um, or the, my, my favorite one, I don't know why, because I say something every time probably, is when they're walking into the movies and um, they're like, we know that the popcorn and drinks are going to be expensive. You do not have to comment on it. And it's like, no, but you, you do. What if someone doesn't know? You know. Um, 
I have those things uh, in my own life. Uh, here's an example. Every time, or pretty much that I can remember, when I walk by a mint plant, um, I pick off a leaf and chew it because that's what my grandmother did. And she called it nature's chewing gum, which is misleading. It is a leaf that you chew. Like, that's, it's not gum. I honestly don't even like it. Like, I mean, it's fine. It just is a leaf. And so, but I just do it. I do it without thinking just because that's what um, my grandmother did. I um, was feeling not great this week, and then I, like, immediately decided I needed to quarantine. You know, it's like there are just these things that are, like, forming and formed uh, in us. Here's another one. Um, becoming a parent has, has made this uh, far uh, more evident than I would like to admit. Um, but uh, I remember the first time I said, uh, because I said so, as a reason why my kids should do something. Um, and it, it was like, Oh, and like, to be fair, my parents were the masters at only saying it when it was the only answer. Like, uh, they knew who they were raising and they were raising someone who needed like a full PowerPoint presentation to get behind what they were asking me to do. Um, and so, uh, that, that I'm, I'm a rule follower. If I like the rule, if I think it is a logical rule, then I will follow it. If I think it's dumb, then, you know, what can you do? You just don't do it. So, um, but, but that is, I remember looking at Camel or Grant. It was like they were both doing something, and they're like, why, why, why? And I said, because I said so. And they looked at me like, why did you say You know, and I'm like, but it's the only answer. It's because I said so. I meant it. That's, that's the whole reason. So um, there are just these things. There are things in us that are like formed in us that just kind of come out without us even thinking about them. Um, the last few weeks, really since Easter Sunday, we have, um, for our Easter season, uh, the 50 days of Easter, we have um, uh, been looking closely at both who we are as a church and what we value as a church community. And we started um, by talking about the big, wide story of the scriptures that we really believe and follow, the meta narrative uh, of, of the scriptures. And then uh, we started, Chad, two weeks ago, we have five core values, five things that we say, these are the five things that are most important to us as a church community. And Chad started us with those the last two weeks. And um, if you weren't here and you didn't hear them, um, it's not me, so I can tell you, like, you should go on the podcast and listen to those because they were absolutely incredible and so good. And so he talked about uh, kingdom, that one of our core values is the kingdom of God, like unashamed, unapologetically, and we will not let go of it. It's the kingdom of God. And, and that the, our view of the kingdom leads us to mission. It, it, it makes us believe that we were made on purpose for purpose. And uh, then today we're going to talk about um, formation. Formation is one of our core values here uh, at Springbrook. Um, and, and so it, 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 when I say we value something, I mean uh, that, that it's something that we hold on to, that we, we say no to things and we say yes to things based on things that we value. And so for us, formation is one of those things. And what we mean by that is we have this value about what it looks like to be formed by Jesus into the image of Jesus. Uh, this is uh, something we honestly talk about quite a bit around here. Um, and over the years for us, this is a really big one. Um, so so when I say spiritual formation, uh, the definition that I like the most uh, comes from a book by a guy named Robert Mulholland called Invitation to a Journey, um, which I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference a couple of books today, and I'll put all of them on social, or Aaron, uh, our, our communications girl, we'll put them all on social media tomorrow. So some of you ask for book stuff, so we'll put this one on there. But Robert Mulholland 
Invitation to a Journey, he says this. This is how he defines spiritual formation. He says, spiritual formation, I think I have a slide, Colin. Um, He says, spiritual formation is the process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. Spiritual formation is the process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. I I love this definition, um, being formed and conformed into the image of Christ, but that it's not something that just ends on itself, that we are formed in the image of Jesus for the good of the world, to uh, join him in the renewal of all things. And that's something we take incredibly serious. Uh, We want to be formed, uh, be people who are formed by Jesus, by what he said and who he was and what he did. And that uh, doing that, we want to do that on purpose. We want to do that with intentionality for the purpose of joining him in his renewing work uh, all over the world, uh, all over our community for the sake of other people. Uh, Jesus uh, wants this too. Jesus wants to form his life in us, to transform our entire being, uh, not just the small percentage that shows to the rest of the world, but in all of us, in our, our whole part, our whole being. Uh, there's a, a book that I have been loving, loving, loving. It's a guy named Rich Viotas, and he's a pastor in Queens. Um, he wrote a book. This is I brought it just so you could see it. It's called The Deeply Formed Life. If you buy a book this summer, buy this one. Um, if you can't, call me and I'll buy it for you. I think it's that good. Um, it, it's so good. And he talks about following Jesus in the Western world. And he said, uh, following Jesus in our culture, it's often marginalized as a life accessory rather than the means of a powerful life transformation. Transformation, And I, I think he's right. I think for so many people uh, in our culture and in our area of the country and in our town, uh, Christianity is very little more than a life accessory. It is an outward expression. But I think that the way of Jesus is uh, always an inward transformation. And so that's what we're talking about when we say formation. We're talking about an inward transformation that leads to an outward expression, not just like a cleaning up of the outside uh, to look good on the outside. Um, I think that one of the things that happens for so many Christians, and, and, and this goes back a few weeks to our conversation around the big meta narrative, big view of the scripture, the four part gospel, is that so many people fail to widen their view of Jesus. Uh, like we are, 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 especially as a community, as East Tennessee, we are very quick to accept Jesus as Savior uh, for salvation purposes, but we are much slower to accept him as rabbi. Or accept him as teacher. And part of following Jesus means uh, to see him not just as someone who saves us from our sins, but thank God and hallelujah, uh, but also as someone who cares about the formation of our lives and the formation of our hearts and the formation of our souls. He, he doesn't just want to save us. Jesus also wants to form us. He wants to transform us. Uh, transform us into his apprentices who uh, learn his ways and take on what he knew and what he said in order to do the things uh, that he did. So uh, here, here's the thing. Uh, in life, we are always formed by something. I'm formed by my grandmother chewing mint leaves. Like we are, we are always formed by something. Um, growing up, uh, my dad only had a, a, or had a series of bad experiences with this one Wendy's in town. I'm not going to tell you which Wendy's. You can probably guess. And um, 
He only had, like, legitimately, this is going to sound mean, but it was really funny and nice, and the people laughed. But one time he pulled up to the drive-thru, and they said, welcome to Wendy's, may I take your order? And he said, I've got $10, you just put whatever you want to in a bag, because you're going to anyway. <laughs> and that's what happened. So, and he made $10. Um, and so he had this, this bad experience at Wendy's. And, um, and that was 25 years ago, like legitimately 25 years ago. And I'm still, if you today were like, hey, do you want to meet me at the Wendy's uh, at this intersection? And I would be like, oh, no, they don't, they don't know what they're doing over there. They've got no idea what they're doing. 25 years, surely there's new stuff. Like surely something has changed, but I have been formed. We are formed by outward things uh, all the time. We are constantly being discipled, being formed by things outside of us. Um, Rich v, uh, Viotas, who I just quoted a second ago from this book, buy it again. Uh, he says this. He says, whether we know it or not, see it or not, or understand it or not, we are being formed. We are formed by our false selves. We are formed by our families of origin. We are formed by the highly manipulated presentations of social media and the value system of a world that determines worth based on accomplishments, possessions, efficiency, intellectual acumen, and gifts. We are being formed outside of ourselves, whether we know it, whether we see it, whether we understand it. Healthy uh, spiritual formation, healthy apprenticeship to Jesus. It, it takes the time to acknowledge the formations of things outside of ourselves. And then it looks to counteract them with the way of Jesus. To acknowledge that there are things outside of us that are uh, working to not just grab our attention or grab our interest, but to form us. And then to look to the way of Jesus to counteract those things. Uh, the, the national director of the vineyard, uh, who is over our denomination, essentially our pope, he would hate, he would hate that because he loves the pope. Um, and he would say that was rude. But, the, but his name is Jay Pathak. Um, he actually stole the pope's chair one time. That's a whole other story, but I'll tell that one one time. That's a good one. Um, anyway, Jay Pathak, he says this. Uh, he uh, says this about the work of formation. He says, the work of formation means to look at what culture does poorly or has tried to form in you, and then do whatever you can to counteract it. Look at what culture has done poorly or has tried to form in you and do whatever you can to counteract it. It's what I think Peter's talking about in our text today from 2 Peter, uh, that, that he's saying we have been gifted with this ability. We've been gifted with the ability to, to see disordered formation and to counteract it. Verse 4, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. Because of his glory and his excellence, because of just how good Jesus is, he has given us great and precious promises that enable and empower us to share in his life and share in his words and share in his actions in a way that will form us to counteract everything in the world that is disordering us, to escape the things outside of ourselves that are vying for our attention and our affection and our souls. 
This means uh, that in a culture that is doing everything it can to fill your life with noise and distractions, you have been given the great promises uh, uh, of having a formational life that would work with intention on purpose to counteract uh, noise with things like silence and solitude. We've been given the tools to counteract uh, things like noise. Um, These are very uh, counteractive things in our culture, but they are crucial pieces of spiritual formation. Silence and solitude are, are crucial to our lives being formed. Finding time to be alone and finding time to be quiet, it's crucial. And most of us hate it. I do. Because what happens when you're alone and you're quiet? The boogeymen come, right? All the things that you are trying to forget and all the things that you are trying to numb and all the things that you just want to sweep under the rug, those are the first things that come out when you're quiet. The first things. I hate it. And it's a gift. Because when we have eyes to see what's bringing disorder into our lives, we're also filled with great and precious promises that have the ability to to restore what has been broken. Uh, I think another piece that requires a lot of intention around uh, counteraction, particularly for us as Americans, is around fear. In our culture, we are being formed at every angle to be afraid. We are, like, advertised. Like, commercials are scary now, right? Advertisements, news, entertainment, it is everywhere. We are a culture that has capitalized. We have doubled down on fear. And part of following the way of Jesus, part of our formation as Jesus followers is to do all that we can to counteract that. To redirect ourselves toward those great and precious promises. Like, uh, do you know in the scriptures that that it is do not be afraid uh, shows up 365 times? 360, does anyone know what else is 365 times? So I've heard it said it's like one for every day. Over 300 times, Jesus says, and God says, do not be afraid. We have been given these precious promises to counteract what culture has told us. Um, I, uh, this is why we take this seriously. We take counteracting the disordered formation seriously here at the Vineyard. And we take intentional formation around the life and words and empowering of Jesus really Uh, Seriously, we use these great and precious promises found in the scriptures to fuel our imagination for kingdom work. Uh, We use the great and precious promises of God to remind us who we are and why we exist. We're committed uh, to doing this here on Sunday mornings. Like we want to do this every week on Sunday mornings. We take formation seriously. So we will visit the scriptures and we will unpack them and we will sit in them and we will talk about how to practice them. I I believe so much in what happens in this room on a Sunday morning when the church gathers together or in other spaces where the church gathers together. But I also believe that it is impossible to only be formed by showing up to a once a week gathering. Formation is daily bread. It's daily bread. And I think that a weekly church gathering is, is absolutely part of that. It's Sunday bread, but there's also Monday bread and Tuesday bread and Wednesday bread. Friday bread's way more fun. Intentional spiritual formation, it requires a daily turn toward Christ, not just as Savior, but also as teacher. A a turn toward Christ on purpose. It won't ever accidentally happen, or rarely will it accidentally happen. 
a turn toward the scriptures and the practices of Jesus on purpose, a turn toward community on purpose. And so our hope is that you don't just uh, come here each week and then we like fire you up and you go home and then rinse and repeat week after week. But our hope is that we'll always be providing you with tools and resources and counsel uh, to, uh, to help you counter, do the counteractive work of formation in your lives. Uh, this, is, this is why we take passing the peace so seriously. It really worked well for me that Chad let it go on extra long this week because it was in here already. We take passing the peace really seriously because it is a formational practice. Uh, we say it every, I said it this week, we want to practice in this room what we want to do outside of this room. That's why we do it. It's why uh, we come to the table every single week. We do things like Selah every single week because we want to build intentional rhythms with worship and communion and silence in, in order to practice in this room uh, what we want to be formed in us when we leave this room. And so taking formation seriously means filling uh, not just our Sundays, but our lives with, the, with practicing the things of Jesus. Our great hope is that what we do here does fuel you in formation, but for the rest of your week, for your own practices, to form your own soul. Uh, my friend, Father Doug, who is the priest at the Anglican Church that we do loads and loads of things with, who is so precious to me. He says, uh, when we take time, uh, when we take the time to practice with intention the formation of our souls, then we find it easier to tell what is light and what is darkness. When we refuel and form our lives around the teaching of Jesus, it becomes easier to pick out what is true and honorable and right. And it also becomes easier to spot disorder and to spot destructions and things that would threaten those souls and threaten those hearts and threaten those lives. There, uh, and through this, we also get more imagination for recreation and renewal for how to bring order into the world and into our own lives. And if you find yourself in a moment, some of us here in this room are in this moment right now. Uh, but if you find yourself in a moment where you're struggling to see the forest from the trees, struggling to figure out what is true, I think there are really good answers to be found in spiritual formation, uh, in returning to the glory and the excellence, the goodness of Jesus. And if you find yourself unable uh, to find the light in the dark or find the truth in the lies or hope and despair, uh, and you talk to me about it, then my suggestion is going to be to, uh, to go back to your formation, to do the formational and counteractive work of turning things off. This is like I told you that there can or, uh, sorry, that was at Maryville last week. Next week I'm going to tell you that cleaning your room is a spiritual practice. <laughs> but uh, there is spiritual practice. It, it is a spiritual discipline to learn how to turn things off. When things are coming at you and they are bringing disorder into your mind and your heart, it is a good thing to turn them off, to turn off Facebook or to turn off the news or to turn off whatever is full of scary and dis depressing stuff. Our brains were not created for a, we, they have not evolved to the level of a 24-hour news cycle. They have not evolved to the level of constant social media. Our brains are tired and they need rest. And we can't refuel our brains and our bodies and our souls by watching the news or by watching crazy people on YouTube or by obsessively watching the Johnny Depp trial autobiographical or talking politics with our coworkers. That never refueled anybody. When we refuel, we are supposed to fill up. We renew our hearts and our minds by turning things off because when there is space, 
And when there is silence, we are reminded of what's good and right and true. I'm really not saying to hide away and turn things off forever, although for some of you, you may be sure. Uh, but, um, but I'm saying that when you feel fear rising in you, when you feel despair rising in you, when you feel hopelessness rising in you, it is a good thing for that to signal, I need to turn this off. I need to walk away from this political conversation in the break room. It's okay. Like, uh, to, 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 to be discipled, to, to learn how to turn things off or to walk away from whatever is sparking those things in you long enough to allow yourself to refuel, refill and refuel on what's good and what's right and what's true, to turn it off long enough for silence and solitude to return to the good and precious promises of Jesus. And honestly, um, it's just a good, good practice to turn outside off, outside stuff off on like a regular rotation. Like um, the, I read a book years ago that gave this practice to, to turn off your phone for an hour a day, a day a week, a week a year. And, and what it means by phone is like whatever is bringing disorder, turn it off an hour a day, a day a week, a week a year. It is a good informational thing to see that your brain is spinning and to allow time and room and space for it to rest to return to what we call good and what we call true. Um, I want to end our time together with a story today. Uh, I've talked about another book that our staff has been reading and really loving called All Things New by Pete Hughes. Some of you all got it. I saw it on social media when I was not on a break. And, um, and I'm loving it. It's so good. But in this uh, book, Pete Hughes tells a story about Abraham Lincoln that might be true. I, I really did try to look it up to see. It, it could be apocryphal. It could be true. It's a great story, so we're, we're, I'm going to tell you. But the story goes that years before Abraham Lincoln was president, years before the Emancipation Proclamation, that he, Abraham Lincoln goes to visit a slave auction. And the story goes that years, uh, that he, he goes into the slave auction, he kind of stands in the back and watches everything uh, that's going on. And allegedly, uh, the, the whole vibe of the room shifts when um, a, a group of young girls are paraded across the auction block. And it became a very apparent to the room what these girls would be sold into slavery for. And the first girl comes up on the auction block and the bids start flying and allegedly they're met with cheers. Higher and higher it goes, they're met with cheers. And the story goes that Lincoln was so repulsed by what was happening that he uh, shouted out his own bid for the girl. And when he did it, the whole room gets silent. Uh, because he's Abraham Lincoln, even at the time, and because his bid was higher than that girl would have ever, ever been uh, sold for and because it was higher than anybody else in the room could afford. And so uh, the story says that the whole room turns and watches as this girl makes her way to the back of the room, uh, to the feet of Abraham Lincoln. When I picture it, he's like a million feet tall and she's tiny. You know, she makes her way back. And allegedly, uh, Lincoln looks her in the eyes and he says, uh, young lady, you're free. And apparently she looked back at him really confused and said, what does that mean? And he says, I bought your freedom. It means you're free. And she says, does that mean I can say whatever I want? And he says, yes, you can say whatever you want. She says, does that mean I can be whatever I want to be? And he says, yes, that means you can be whatever you want to be. And he says, does that mean I can go wherever I want to go? And she sa he says, yes, you can go wherever you want to go. And then she took a pause, taking it all in. And then with st tears streaming down her face, she looks up and says, then I think I want to go with you. And if you were to ask me why I'm standing here, 
why I do what I do and why I believe what I believe. It's, it's this. The way that I understand Jesus, the way that I understand that he has redeemed freedom for me at every single level that the fall disordered it. And the more I have learned about him and about who he is and what he is like, his generosity, his hospitality, his grace, his mercy, love, kindness, hope, justice. The more I learn of him, the more I just want to go with him. I, he has said, you can go wherever you want to go. You can be whatever you want to be. You can say whatever you want to say. And I just feel like the cry of my soul is like, I just want to go with you. I want to go where you went. I want to do what you did. I told someone this week in a conversation that I have all the time um, about uh, troubles that we all have with the big church, universal church, or the evangelical church, or things like that, and, and I said this, and I meant it. I said, I get very confused about the gnarly ways that the church expresses itself in the world, and I do. I realize I work for one. I get really confused, but the older I get, the better and better and better Jesus gets. He just gets better. The church gets weirder. He gets better. It reminded me of this story of this uh, girl and Abraham Lincoln. It reminds me of this thing that happens in John 6 when a bunch of Jesus followers uh, uh, leave him. They desert him. He says something weird about body and blood, and they, they leave him. And he, at one point, he looks at his disciples, and the 12 of them, and he says, are you going to go too? And Peter looks at him, and he says, where else would we go? Where else would we go? Spiritual apprenticeship means that our insides are formed by Jesus to the, to the degree that when offered anything else in the world, we would say, I think I want to go with you. I, it, and maybe even wonder, where else would we go? It means having eyes to see the places uh, where we are being formed in disordered living, in fear and hurry and performance and working with intention to counteract those things in order to go where we actually want to go in order to return to the one that we call good and true and home. By using our freedom to walk and go with him, in uh, our freedom into our own souls and out into the world and the places where we live and work and learn and play. So here's what I want to do. Um, I want to take a few minutes here. We, we do this every week at the Vineyard. It's not new, but it feels particularly important today. Uh, I don't want to talk about how important quiet is and then not be quiet. So we're going to take some silence um, and we're going to practice in this room what we want to do outside of this room. So every week we take just a few minutes at the end of the service just to sit before God. And um, it's something you can do. You don't just have to do it here. You can do it. I mean, you may not have Daniel playing piano for you anywhere, but you can do it anywhere. Uh, And I want to practice this. And so we'll spend a few minutes quiet uh, with Jesus to quiet our minds and remind ourselves of the good and precious promises that we hold to. There will be some verses on the screen. If they're helpful, follow along. If not, close your eyes. Whatever space or posture you need to take is perfect.